This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the active practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today, it's time to talk about insurance fraud and the use of the defense of false swearing to an insurance fraud claim. In common language, the false swearing provision of an insurance policy merely means that if the insured lies under oath, the policy is void, whether the lie is in a proof of loss or at an examination under oath. In Texas and Oklahoma, for example, false swearing is explained this way, quote, where an insured knowingly and willfully overestimates the value of property destroyed or damaged, the policy is voided and the insured's right to recover is defeated. In common language, the false swearing provision of an insurance policy merely relates to a lie under oath. The reason for the false swearing defense can be explained because it would be unjust to allow a claimant, an insured, to misrepresent facts under oath that might lead to a valid defense and then allow him to escape the consequences of the falsehood simply because he had succeeded so well that the company was unable to establish the defense. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal upheld a false swearing defense when it said, quote, the Willises also argued that State Farm made no showing that it actually relied on Mr. Willis's misstatements or that it would have done anything different had Mr. Willis told the truth. The jury was not instructed, however, that a showing of reliance was necessary and the Willises did not object to the jury instruction. We think, moreover, that the instruction was correct. Although reliance must be shown in a claim for fraud in the inducement, and an exception to this general rule exists, of course, if a statutory provision specifically makes a party's reliance an element of the defense of fraud or false swearing. No such statutory provision currently exists in Arkansas. And this was a case called Willis versus State Farm Fire, a 2000 decision of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal. The New Jersey legislature defined false swearing as existing when a person makes a false statement under oath or equivalent affirmation or swears or affirms the truth of such a statement previously made when he does not believe the statement to be true. False swearing or perjury is a crime in all states. An insured that is guilty of false swearing is subject to the possibility of criminal liability. The person swearing falsely also destroys the right to recover 
under a policy of insurance. An insurer can assert false swearing as an affirmative defense to an action brought by an insured, whether just for breach of contract or for bad faith. And the incumbent and uh, recognized tort remedies from a bad faith claim. To constitute such a defense, the false statement must have been made under oath with the knowledge that it is false and with the intent that the person to whom the statement is made will rely on it. Actual reliance is not necessary. To support a defense to a claim, or a suit on a policy, the statement must be false and material to the claim, nothing more. Almost every policy that insures against the risk of loss of property requires the insured to submit a sworn proof of loss. The proof of loss must provide complete details regarding the property insured, the origin of the loss, and the value of the property claim destroyed. A policy usually also requires the insured to give the insurer access to its books and records to prove the claim. Where fraud is suspected, the insurer may demand that the insured be examined under oath. Significant deviations between the sworn proof of loss and the facts developed at an examination under oath can be the basis of a defense of fraud or false swearing. If false swearing is found, it will normally constitute a complete defense to any claim under a property insurance policy. A false statement made under oath in an examination under oath or proof of loss must be knowingly false. The difference between fraud and false swearing is that since false swearing involves a false statement made under oath, it is more difficult for the person speaking to back off from it when confronted. The value of the false swearing defense in fraud investigations is that it can provide an alternative basis for denying the claim. If the adjuster cannot prove fraud, but can prove that the insured lied under oath, the insurer can deny the claim. This is well illustrated in the case Porasco versus Pacific Indemnity, a 1996 District Court of Pennsylvania case where the insurer suspected arson and denied the insured's fire loss claim. Although the insurer could not prove arson by the insured's, there was a legitimate question as to whether the fire was incendiary in nature. The insurer also had clear proof of misrepresentations made by the insureds under oath regarding, among other things, their active attempt to sell the property at the time of the fire. The court held that the materiality of false statements is to be determined at the time of investigation. The court further held that the insurer's investigation into the insured's possible motive to commit arson was entirely reasonable and prudent, and in inquiries into the insured's financial condition were therefore material to the issue of motive. 
Evidence that the insureds intended to mislead Pacific indemnity was found in the following by one, an overvaluation of the loss, two, inclusion in the proof of loss as items that never existed, three, undervaluation of salvaged property, and four, false statements regarding ownership, encumbrances relating to the property, and the origin of the fire. False swearing can be proved by direct evidence, although usually direct evidence is not available. Most often, proof of false swearing comes from the admission of circumstantial evidence on the issue of false swearing. The absence of a criminal conviction for arson, fraud, or false swearing does not, does not deprive the insurer of the false swearing defense. The burden of proof are different. The crime requires proof beyond reasonable doubt. The defense only requires proof by a preponderance, that is, 50% plus 1. As the proof of loss and the testimony at examination under oath are sworn to by the insured, any material falsehood is sufficient to establish the defense of false swearing. The same is true of any difference between the facts testified to during the examination under oath or stated in the proof of loss and the facts developed from an audit of the insurer's books and records or an insurer's investigation. The U.S. Supreme Court, in fact, stated the rule as follows as early as 1884. Quote, a false answer as to any matter of fact material to the inquiry, knowingly and willfully made, with an intent to deceive the insurer would be fraudulent. If it accomplished its result, it would be a fraud effected. If failed, it would be a fraud attempted. No one can be permitted to say, in respect to his own statements upon a material matter, that he did not expect it to be believed. Their materiality in the eye of the law consists in their tendency to influence the conduct of the party who has an interest in them and to whom they are addressed. Close quote. This was Claflin versus Commonwealth Insurance Company, an 1884 decision of the U.S. Supreme Court. In California, the Court of Appeal found an Imperial Casualty versus Sagamonian, a 1988 decision, that the insured knowingly misrepresented to his insurer facts material to the decision to insure. Sagamonian had informed Imperial that he had never incurred a loss, nor had any insurer ever canceled or declined to renew a policy issued to him. The court found that Sagamonian had insurance canceled by three prior insurers, had suffered five prior losses, and had collected on a claim with another prior insurer on the same day he signed the application for insurance with Imperial Casualty claiming he had never suffered a loss. 
Sagamonian was suspected of setting fire to his own home and of presenting a false and fraudulent claim. The arson for profit was difficult to prove, but proving that he lied when he applied for the insurance defeated the suit both at the trial court and on appeal. Evidence was gathered in the case, although it does not show on the appellate record, because I spent personally more than 15 years dealing with Mr. Sagamonian and his claims, that revealed that the appraisals of the personal property he used as proof of his claim were false and fraudulent. The appraiser admitted that he signed blank appraisals and that the insured must have added some zeros when he typed up the appraisals, making a $1,000 item a $10,000 item. Insurance fraud investigators and lawyers working for insurers faced with a potential insurance fraud must remember that the insurance policies are contracts and that when clear and unambiguous are always enforceable. The standard fire policy adopted in every state makes the policy void if the insured lies or makes a false representation or swears falsely with regard to any material fact concerning the policy or the property that is the subject of the insurance. This video was adapted from my book, Insurance Fraud, Volume 1, available both as a Kindle book and as a paperback from Amazon.com and from my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library. If you found this video to be useful, please refer it to your colleagues and Subscribe to my blog so that you can learn about future videos and future summaries of cases involving insurance claims and insurance coverage matters. Thank you again for your attention.